We hear questions like these all the time. Can TSR injury law help me if I'm hurt by a defective product? Yes. How about by a dog bite? Yeah. If you've been injured, it's TSR time. Call us today for a free consultation at 612-TSR-TIME. It's the Go Gopher Podcast with Mike Grimm, episode number 16. I am Mike Grimm, voice of the Golden Gophers, and welcome back. We're going to talk Golden Gopher football on this week's edition of the Go Gopher Podcast. Of course, the April 30th spring game is on the horizon. We'll hear from offensive coordinator Kirk Sharaka, who returned to the maroon and gold after a year at Penn State and another year at West Virginia. He was with Minnesota as offensive coordinator the first time around from 2017 through 2019. We dive into his return, what he learned while he was away, how he calls a game and the anatomy of a play call, and so much more. I'm really excited about the conversation and think you'll all thoroughly enjoy it. Our Go Gopher podcast is presented by alumni-owned Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're a business founder planning to exit your business, start by contacting Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. Sunbelt serves more businesses up to $5 million in revenue than anyone, and True North M&A serves companies with revenues up to $150 million. Get a confidence Confidential, no cost, no obligation business valuation started today. Make the most of your life's work. Visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com today. Our podcast is also sponsored by State Farm agent Tony Hoagland at champlininsurance.com. Tony loves Golden Gopher football. We invite you to subscribe to our Go Gopher podcast. You can go back and listen to Go Gopher podcasts from weeks gone by, including last week, for example. We have the great Lindsey Whalen with us, and if you missed it, you do want to go back and listen. She'll go into the National Basketball Hall of Fame in September. But when we come back on this edition, it's Kirk Sharaka giving us the inside scoop on being the Golden Gopher football offensive coordinator once again. He's next, but first, a word from Tony. Hey, Gopher fans, this is your State Farm agent, Tony Hoagland. We are super excited to be part of the new Mike Grimm Show on Talk North. For the year of 2022, we will be donating $10 to the University of Minnesota Children's Masonics Hospital for everyone that calls our office or checks in with us online and mentions that they heard about us on Talk North and the Mike Grimm Show. We are really excited again that Mike came on board with Talk North. You can reach us at 763-421-4900. You can find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. Again, 763-421-4900 or find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. Roll the boat, Sky Uma, go Gophers. It's episode number 16, the Go Gopher podcast. We're going to talk some Gopher football. The spring game is approaching April 30th, 1 o'clock, Huntington Bank Stadium. And the offensive coordinator for the Golden Gophers is Kirk Sharaka. And uh, I guess what's uh, new again is old again, or whatever the old saying goes. Uh, yes, indeed, he is back uh, managing the maroon and gold on the offensive side of the football. And, Coach, good to see you. Uh, it's great to be with you today, Mike, and really excited to be back. Yeah, talk about that a little bit in terms of being back and the excitement level and, uh, you know, what what it's been like, uh, you know, with a, a two-year stint in between where you're away from some of these guys and some of the coaches, and uh, here you are right back in it. Yeah, I, I think it's been uh, – the thing that's been really rewarding for me is, you know, when this opportunity came along and I had a chance to think about it, um, I, I, there was a number of reasons that, as I said in my initial press conference for, you know, what led me back here – um, and that the fact that all those reasons have been validated in my mind since the day I got back here. Uh, and so it's been a really enjoyable time for me and I've had a lot of fun with it. And the reception from the players has been great. My relationship with PJ and my trust in, you know, his role as football coach has been fantastic. And, you know, the working with these, the staff again, you know, has been just a, just a lot of fun, you know, and it's been great. And that, that chemistry that you really need, um, you know, when you're involved in really a team, a team sport, right. Everybody's important. There's a lot of spokes in the wheel and all those spokes are really, really important. And, you know, to have that chemistry with the players and with 
uh, Coach Fleck and with the staff. It's just been great, and it's really made my job really enjoyable. PJ mentioned that the first time you guys got back together, I think maybe you met to visit a recruit, and the first time you saw each other was at the airport. And he said it was almost like, hey, how you doing? Good, good. Let's go do this. Like like time stood still. Like there was almost – there wasn't like that two-year span in between. Did you have the same feeling when you uh, went on that visit and just kind of rekindled the, the, the old way of doing things? Yeah, it was really uh, – you know, and there's been a lot of those kind of moments for me since I got back, those like deja vu things where I've had to say to myself, I, I was gone for two years, right? <laughs> um, you know, and, and kind of chuckled to myself. Uh, but yeah, it was like old times. So like I said, he walked in and I was like, you ready? You ready? He's like, hey, Kirk, how you doing? You ready to do this? I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's go do this. You know, and we walked right out and got in the car. And, you know, it was probably a good 10 minutes down the road before we were like, hey, how's everything going? You know, I'm like, it's great. You know, that type of thing, you know, where we both kind of realize, Hey, this, we have been gone for two years and we haven't done this together in a couple of years. So um, it's been great. You had an interesting time too, because you came in at a time where the team was preparing for the team you were just with in terms of you were at West Virginia. So was there, in terms of the transition, I suppose there was a little bit of a buffer there because of that. I know there was, you know, some things that, that you were kind of staying away from just to, as a courtesy to the Mountaineers and that bowl prep and stuff. So with that buffer and then having the coaching staff you're familiar with, having a quarterback that you're familiar with was, uh, you know, in, in terms of that buffer and getting transitioned and getting back to being like, hey, you know, like you almost never left. How long did that take uh, when you were, you know, back to your comfort level would you say yeah it was probably january you know like that to be totally honest with you uh that was a really kind of very uncomfortable for me um you know and and i really appreciated the way uh you know the coach fleck and coach brown handled it um i think they both could realize how uncomfortable of a situation that i was in and that we were in uh you know and it really was a tribute to them the way they handled it i'm sure made it a lot easier for me uh, with it, you know, it was, it was uncharted waters. It had never happened, you know, in the profession. And, and I, I felt like they both handled it great. And that maybe we set, it's going to happen again at some point now with the way the profession is, um, and the way it's trending that I, I thought we set a pretty good precedent for how it should be handled from here on out. Yeah, and you're right because your friends, I mean, your friendship with Coach Brown went back a long ways. Obviously, you've been with PJ all the way back to the Rutgers days and then as, you know, his offensive coordinator threw a bunch of stops. So I suppose you didn't want to be kind of that man in the middle on either side of this thing. So, um, you know, it, 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 it was good that it worked out the way it did. Then once you hit the field, what was it like to have number two uh, is still running that huddle? Because I suppose there's times where, I mean, Tanner's now six years. Um, you guys had such a great year together in 2019. I know I remember, you know, the relationship you guys had. So what was that like? And I suppose you stayed in touch with him somewhat over the course of your time away as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously we had a special bond, uh, you know, and, you know, but it was like I was a fan of his, you know, for those two years that I was away. Um, When I had a chance to watch the Gophers on TV, I was rooting like crazy for him and the rest of the boys. And, you know, I would check on Sundays how they did and, you know, what, how he did statistically, that type of thing. So, um, you know, but it, you all, also out of respect for everybody within the program, you know, we always knew we were going to be friends for life, you know, with that, but there was also that professional courtesy that you needed to, you know, to abide by too with it. Right. And I think that we both were able to do that and, and do it greatly, but it was awesome. You know, the fact that I could come back and, you know, we had a relationship, he knew how I, how I think already um, with that. So there was an immediate connection there. Whereas normally, you know, there's a get to know you period, you know, with the quarterbacks and understanding how you want them to think about the plays and that type of thing. And so that was great to be able to, he already had a background, you know, I would say a play and he would be, uh, he would kind of smirk and he would be like, okay, let me think. Let me remember how you want me to think about this. And he would answer and I'd be like, very good. Very good. Right. That is correct. Um, so there were those type of moments that were fun and, and I'm enjoying it right up until this, right up till today. You know, I can't wait for the meeting today and to get in there and, and get a chance to work with them. But that's what kind of made the whole situation unique is that I had a really had a relationship with 
all all the quarterbacks in the room. I had 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 a hand in recruiting all of them, um, so that that has made the transition much better. But not only that was the older kids in the program. You know, they had been around me for a couple of years, and so they had an already an understanding and uh, a natural trust that usually um, you don't have when you come into a new situation. Uh, you have to earn that trust, and trust is earned by your actions, right? Uh, so that's made it so much better for me that we can, we kind of were able to skip that process that you go through when you come into a new situation. And, and I think it bodes, you know, makes the offense better too, you know, that you're not having to go through that transition um, with it and where it's already earned. So I, I, I've been taking advantage of that, I guess, um, with the guys, but I, I, I don't let it go unnoticed. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, that type of support from them. Do you think there was, I mean, now, you know, with it all now in the rearview mirror, uh, some some benefit that, you know, you guys were together for a long time at Western. You had the Cotton Bowl. It was a great run. You had the success you had here at Minnesota. But it was, you know, you're around the same guys, you know, Coach Simon, Coach Callahan, Coach Burns. I'm probably forgetting a few guys in there. Um, But you, you go away for two years and you see other coaches operate. Was there some benefit? Did you take some stuff from that two years? And when you come back, say, hey, look, I know we had this going, you know, in at Western, and I know we had it going at Minnesota, but this guy maybe uh, showed me we can do something maybe a little more efficiently. Was, it, was there some things you took from those two years away that you brought back that you might update some stuff to? Yeah, I think absolutely, Mike. You know, and uh, the I, I think that, you know, you're always learning and getting new experiences and they're helping shape you, your thoughts and the way you do things. And um, both situations at Penn State, you know, there was lots of things that I learned there that I think that can help make this system better, right? And then uh, the year I had at West Virginia, you know, I had probably a little bit more time on my hands, right? And uh, I'm really it was their system at West Virginia completely. And so I'm learning things there through them that I'm like, wow, I like this. I I like the way that they're doing this, or I like the way they're teaching it or explaining it. Um, And I I also had more time to really to think about things within our system and to study football a little bit more and to look at the trends that are happening on the defense where I didn't have that same type of time constraints of pressure of getting ready for a game on Saturday. Um, Although I was helping and do that at West Virginia, but I didn't have the same responsibilities, you know, so you're just able to study the game a little bit more and talk to people more. You know, I I probably spent more time talking with defensive coordinators than I did with offensive coordinators in, in that year that I had at West Virginia uh, with it. And then the fact that we were in the big 12. And so I was able to see a whole new set of defenses, um, and start to think about how, how can we attack them? Um, how can I help West Virginia was my first priority. And then my second thing that I was looking at was thinking, okay, how, how would our system that we developed here at Minnesota, you know, over time, how, how, how should we adapt that to help take advantage of things? Or really I talk about, uh, modernizing, right. You know, you're, you're, the game is constantly evolving, right? And I use the term modernize. And when I came back here, you know, that's kind of what we talked about as a staff. Like, let's talk about our, what we've learned in the past two years, right? They shared with me tweaks that they had done to the system here, right? And I shared with them uh, thoughts and ideas that I have had, you know, with it. And that's been really fun, you know, mm-hmm. is everybody sharing their thoughts and ideas and how we want to go. The philosophy of the offense hasn't changed since I was the coordinator at the University of Delaware, right? But how we accomplish those things has changed and evolved through time. And so just having a little bit of time to take a step back and be able to look at things objectively and make some adjustments or tweaks um, within it has been fun. And it's something we're doing right now, we're continuing to do and we'll continue to do as we evaluate spring ball. You know, you're, you're trying to balance uh, the basic fundamentals of spring ball and trying to put this uh, these new pieces into this scheme at the same time, right? And you, you can't do it all in 15 spring practices. So balancing that with that has been fun too. But just 
the staff, right? Like the watch their growth that they've had in the two years since I've been gone and to listen to them. Um, it, it honestly, like at times we'll be talking and I just start smiling and they're like, why are you smiling? And I'm like, I just like listening to you guys right now, you know, and what your thoughts are and, you know, why you did things or why you made changes. Right. Cause it's, the system's not the same as when I left. Right. And that's the way it should be. Right. It's it, they've been evolving. Um, so, but we've kind of put all of our thoughts together and I feel like we've got to move it in the right direction right now. You mentioned you like listening to those guys. I think PJ has been on record a lot saying that, uh, the, the, the thing he admires most about you is your, your ability to listen to the head coach sometimes. And I don't mean like, Hey, you have to do it this way, but I'm sure there's things on the head coaches, uh, going through his mind. I'm not talking like on Saturday on third and two, he's that part of listening. I'm talking like maybe on a Tuesday, he's got some stuff going on and he wants to run a few things by what what do you think he means by that and and take me through that part of your role as a, as offensive coordinator as being a listener to the head coach i think just being a good listener is you know part of leadership right um you know uh the one thing that i love about working for pj is that he understands that i'm ultimately responsible for that product on saturday right for what we do out there um and so he he allows me to make those decisions that I need to make. Uh, I think one of the things that he likes about me, though, is that I don't really care where the idea came from. <laughs> if it's a good idea, it's a good idea, right? And so, like, I'm always going to listen to what people thoughts and ideas. And I think the advantage that when you have a head coach like him is he's looking at things through a different uh, lens, than maybe I am or Brian Callahan is with the line, right? We're all looking at things through different lenses and that to have the ability to listen to what people have to say and try to see it through their lens, right? That if you don't try to look through it at it, people have ideas and thoughts, right? If you don't, if you're not able to look at it through their lens, then you're never going to agree with them, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I've got a guy and Part of my maybe our relationship with PJ and why it works so well is that like PJ Fleck was an incredible wide receiver coach, right? An incredible teacher of fundamentals and play there. And he's great at uh, he was great at taking ideas and simplifying them and explaining them to his players, right? So that so I had that already that built in respect for him. Mm -hmm. You know, so that I'm, when he has a suggestion or he wants, you know, has an idea about something, whether it's a drill or an actual play, well, I'm going to listen. Right. And um, and a lot of it has to do with that respect and that chemistry that we have between each other. Um, but I, I'd like to think of that way with everybody. Um, but you're not always that way. I know I am with the rest of the staff because we have that trust built up between us that I, I'm going to listen to what they have to say. Um but I, I think I've always kind of been that way um, at Penn State. You know, there was things that Coach Franklin had to say that I thought, oh, that's a good idea. Right. And there were things with, you know, the guys on the staff that that, you know, had to say, right, that's the benefit. And it didn't all go the, exactly the way we wanted it to go. But when you face those type of situations, you have a choice when you look back on things is, you know, you can take the positives from it and the things you can control and what you benefit that can make you better moving forward, or you can just you kind of shut it out and make excuses about what happened or whatever there at certain situations. So that was great for me there. Uh, PJ has been great for me throughout my career. It obviously works between us. Um, we've had a lot of success together, you know, and West Virginia was just a whole nother experience of listening to people and their ideas Um you know, that have helped shape me and continue to help me grow as a coach. To be a listener for P.J. Fleck, um, you know, he's a unique guy. We all love him. But I'm sure there's been some times where he's throwing something at you where you're like, P.J., I know you're outside the box, but but come on, right? So there there probably comes a special skill sometimes to listen to the head coach, too. Well, I think that, you know, I think that's with everybody, though, right? Yeah. You know, is, you know, people, they want to be heard, right? And that, you know, but your job again is right is to get my job is to get the best product out there on Saturdays in the fall. And ultimately, that's what I'm going to be judged on. So I, I just look at it like, hey, let me 
let's listen, right? And if it's uh, if there's one idea out of fifty that makes us better, right? And I miss that one idea, then shame on me, right? I'm not doing my job. So, um, but again, the great thing about you know working with PJ is that you know he'll give me ideas sometimes, and I'll I'll think about it, and then I can go back to him and say, Coach, I thought about it, but I don't like that because of this and this. I'd rather do that. Right. And he's like, no, no worries. Right. And the great thing I love about him, too, is that when we make a decision, you know, he's the type of leader that like he's not going to look he's not, not going to be Sunday morning quarterback on you. Right. He's going to look at it. Hey, we we looked at all the facts and this was the best decision moving forward. Let's go do it that, you know, and whether it works out or not, it that was the best decision based on the information that we had. And I, I really appreciate that about him. You mentioned your time at West Virginia. It was, I don't know, it's never relaxing, I suppose, for a coach. But it's a grind, especially if you're the offensive coordinator at a Power 5 school or, or at Western Michigan where you're trying to build things. So when you had that continual grind, was there some uh, re-energizing maybe at, at West Virginia where maybe you didn't have the, like you mentioned, you didn't have maybe the pressure of calling a game on Saturday. You could kind of stand by. You wanted the Mountaineers to win, but it wasn't maybe – you know, um, I don't know how to say it, you know, it wasn't life and death maybe like it would be if it was your game plan. Uh, was there some benefit to that year just just decompressing for a minute? Because, you know, over the course of a long coaching career, when you have, as you mentioned, you're ultimately responsible for that product Saturday and you do that 13 Saturdays for whatever it is, 20 straight years, maybe maybe there's some benefit in just stepping back and and and, you know, being an analyst for a year. Well, first of all, like I said before, and I'll continue to say this to anybody, uh, if you can get a job where your 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 job is to just give your opinion all the time with no consequences, <laughs> that's a dream job. Now. Um, but I, I think one of the things that made it unique at West Virginia for me was, and one of the reasons why I, wa- I chose to do that there was the people, mm-hmm. right? Uh, my relationship with Coach Brown, uh, I knew that, although I didn't know, his staff that well, I knew that they were going to be good people if they were working for him. And that, so like just to be in that type of environment was energizing for me. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, there is a, there's definitely there's definitely a recharging of the battery. I think anybody who will tell you that's been in a leadership position, when you, if you have a chance to take a break, like I did, and you look at it the right way. I knew that I wanted to do this again, right? I knew that, you know, I just wanted it to be the right situation mm-hmm. when I when I got another opportunity to do this again. Um, but yeah, there was a, definitely a recharging of it. But I think more so than recharging was just the ability to sit back and look at things through a little different lens, right? And to study things and think about things um, when you're thinking big picture, uh, and to get the experiences of some things that were maybe different than the way I would have done it maybe in the past. Um, that, that is re-energizing in and of itself, right? To know that you're going through something and that I felt like I would, was going to get another opportunity to be an offensive coordinator at a power five school. But just the fact that knowing that, hey, I'm going to be better at it when I get that opportunity for these reasons, like that's re-energizing in and of itself. You mentioned too uh, when, that the philosophy is the same all the way back to Delaware and up through Rutgers and and on through Western and Minnesota and, and everything. But how much, as you mentioned, in terms of moder- modernizing maybe the playbook or what have you, how much has that part changed? Because defenses have changed probably a lot uh, from that time. So uh, a play, even as something maybe as simple as a play call or a strategy to attack a defense, how much has that part of the overall philosophy had to change when you get into those kind of specifics? I think there's just some things that defenses are doing a, a little bit. They're evolving too, right? As the offenses are evolving, the defenses are evolving. And so like, as you're looking at that, you're thinking about, okay, what do we need to do moving forward? Right. Um, to try to keep the pendulum swinging in our direction and not in the defense's direction uh, with it, which is part of our philosophy here is we want to put our guys in positive situations. Right. Um you know, so I, I think that 
you know, is, is going on. Um, but as far as like the plays, um, you just more, I think here is been more about like, we have all these different ideas and thoughts, right? We know how we want to attack, but what's been, what we've really been concentrating on here is looking at our personnel and how does that fit into our personnel, right? So you got like, at times you have, when you're building an offense, you, there's two different roads you can go on right? You can either make a left or a right here at that point. And, you know, both roads are correct, right? There's, yeah. They're both they're both headed in the right direction. But you, me as the coordinator, I need to think about, okay, what's going to be the easy, the best path for our people? Which road's best for our people to travel on, right, with it? And I think that's the challenge. And that's what we've been working on, you know, this spring as we're continuing to get to know our personnel better. Um, and so that's where we've maybe doing some things that based on our personnel, hey, we need to do a little bit more of this, a little bit less of that than we did in 2019. That was what was best for that per- group of, of personnel that we had at that point in time. What's best for this group moving forward? So generally the philosophy is the same, but certainly tweaks uh, based on, you know, kind of one, how the year evolves, opponent uh, personnel for you as well, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a, that's exactly right. You know, who we're playing against and then how does how do we put our guys in the best positive situations for them? You know, and then also, hey, these are the adjustments we need to make uh, maybe to the let's use the RPO game as a, uh, as an example. Right. Th- these are how what defenses are doing now that maybe they weren't doing in 2019 to help themselves against the RPOs. Well, this is what we need to do to help ourselves against those defenses of uh, adjustments, you know. So, like that's where the schematics change a little bit. I don't, I don't think that like when we open the season that people are going to look at our offense and say, "Wow, this is a lot different," right? You know, it, you know what I mean. But I think that maybe somebody that had been here in 2019 that watches us in 2021, they'll notice um, the subtle differences in some of the things that we're doing. Um, and some of it might be schematically driven and some of it might be personnel driven. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm always fascinated in terms of game plans, how it's formulated. And then you take that game plan after hours of film study. And then as the game evolves uh, on Saturday, then you have to come up with play calls that are going to be effective to put points on the board. So I want to start, I guess, from, from, from uh, say, Sunday night uh, into Saturday. How many hours do you estimate you might watch film during game week to put together, you know, the, the, the plan that you want to put in place. Wow. I try not to think about the number <laughs> of hours. Um, Cause I, I do think uh, people would be surprised at the amount of hours that it takes to put it all together uh, with it. The, the great thing that we have here is, you know, we got a great staff. So we're able to kind of, Everybody has their role in putting it all together. And so we're able to lean. I'm able to lean on different people in different areas. Um, but it, it, it's a lot. Uh, you know, Mondays, I would say Monday is at least a 16-hour day. Oof. And, you know, Tuesdays are probably around 14 or 15. And it kind of gets a little, it keeps going down as the week's going on, the amount of hours. Um, I try really hard. Uh, late in the week to uh, catch up on my sleep. Um, I really want to be fresh uh, by Saturday right. with it. So I work really hard to do that. But it, it, it's an enormous uh, undertaking by a group of men, you know, and we all have to do it together. So, and I'm going to ask you a series of questions here. And at any point, if you think you're giving away, you know, any kind of strategy or anything, feel free to to punt on the question. But as you then formulate the game plan, uh, what is your technique when you come on Saturday? Is it like a play call sheet like we see guys, you know, on TV hold up? Do you have note cards? Uh, you know, is it situational? How, how, how do you go about uh, getting ready for, uh, you know, the, the game? Uh, if I showed you uh, the actual call sheet that I use on Saturdays, you would probably laugh. Uh, I, I go all the way back to uh, when I was a GA at Temple, uh, Coach Burnt, who was the head coach, and he called the game too. 
Um, I used to, uh, I was in charge of giving him this cardboard paper, piece of paper that he would write out the game plan on. And uh, a lot of the times it would just be me and him when he was doing it on like a Thursday. Yeah. Uh, the actual call sheet that he was going to use. And so uh, I really, and he was a, a great football coach and a wonderful human being, right? So there was this, I don't know, I think I was like 23 years old or whatever that would sit with him and I would ask him questions <laughs> uh, about why he was doing it this certain way or that way. And I'd be like, do you want me to type this up for you, coach? And he'd be like, no, I like to write it. So I end up writing it by hand. Um, we have a call sheet that's situational, just like everybody has, but I don't usually use that um, in the game. Um, I, I don't, that's just not me, the way I call the game. I, I, I like to call the game based on my feel of the game. So if, if I'm reading, I, the game's usually not going very well if you see my head down <laughs> and I'm reading off the sheet. Yeah, um, gotcha. You know, with it. Uh, so that's kind of, but we do have, but there are on that sheet, like the situational oriented, there are like certain, uh, like the, what we call the green zone or other people might call the red zone like very specific calls that we might have where like, that's where we get into that situation that we've made decisions like the first third down in that area of the field. I know I'm going to call that play. So I have, might have them ranked in order and that's thing. And that's where you would see me. I would look at it mm -hmm. to make sure that I didn't, we made that decision as a staff to call that play in that situation when we had, hours to think about it and talk about it in the game you only have three or four seconds to make that decision right so i'll lean on that call sheet in those type of situations i usually go into the game knowing the first third and short call the first third down in every type of situation knowing what that call is going to be um there and then from then on though it's really more reactive to what he's doing oh he's doing exactly what we thought he was going to do stick to that sheet right or hey he's doing he's we thought he was going to blitz in that situation and we've been in that situation twice and he's played zone coverage now hey let's think about uh in between drives we would talk about it as a staff like hey the next time we're in that situation it's been zoned twice what's a what's a better call than our man beaters in that situation so that's where that you know the groupness of it all works together but at the end of the day, I always feel like that a really a good play caller, you only have three or four seconds. There's no there's no time to sit there and read off a sheet. Right? You, right. you got to know what you want to do next based on what the defense has been doing to you. Is there um, – obviously you have your basic – that it doesn't matter who you play. You're get, you have your basic plays, whether it's inside zone, outside zone, your RPO, general RPO game. And then how many maybe specific plays each week might you implement based on opponent? And again, if you, if you don't want to – you don't want to give uh, you know some of that detailed info out or is there any i you know do you just stick with what you do and we do it well i think that like that is our philosophy like we're gonna do what we do better than you can do what you do mm -hmm. right like that is part of our philosophy um but there's you know obviously there's always going to be tweaks right and based on the front based on the coverages you play like we have a you know, the great, I, the great thing about having a system that everybody understands is we know if you're doing this, we want to try to do that. If you're doing this, we want to try to do this, right? So we have that general idea already about it, but then it's really about picking the best plays based on how you guys do it, right? And that's, you know, the art of it, right? You have quarters coverage out there. Everybody has a list of quarters coverage beaters, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that list is too, you can't run all of them in a game, right? The art of the game plan is figuring out based on how they play quarters and their personnel, based on your personnel and your plays, what are the best plays to pick against that particular coverage? What are the best RPOs on how they're going to fit their fronts against your runs, right? Like that is the art of it, right? And that's the adjustment part within the game, you know, like sometimes they're doing everything we thought they would do, um, you know, and 
hey, you're just working your game plan. Other times they're doing some things differently. So you've got to make some adjustments. You know, if they do this, <clears throat> what do we do? You know, what's our next move, you know, with it? Um, you know, and again, that's really, it's the ultimate player's game though. Football is the ultimate player's game. And that's why, you know, you I always give the credit to the players when it goes well, because they deserve the credit. You know, ultimately they have to make the plays, right? We can diagram whatever we want. And, but they have to go out and do it, right? And to make it work uh, within it. So it's, it's really about the players. If there's one thing I think over the years um, that, uh, that people have asked me about just being around the team, it's the pre-snap read that the quarterback makes. So you come to the line of scrimmage, Tanner looks over the defense, looks to the sideline, gets some sort of a signal, and then looks over it again, and then looks back. Now, I'll be honest, the last, last year it was like, He'd check four or five times. I don't think that was the case when when you were calling plays before. It was once or twice. Um, and again, if you if if it's too much detail and and you know you don't want the head coach mad at you for for delivering any news about this. But what is the process or what is what is Tanner doing? What are you doing? What are you looking for? And what are those you know what what is that process there? Yeah, I mean, most of the time we're really not doing anything. He's <laughs> looking over and you know. Uh, and we might tell them to look back again sometimes. Sometimes we'll tell them to just run the play that we called. Um, you know, most of the time that's the scenario. Like, we do not do as much checking as uh, people think we do mm-hmm. when they watch us on film. And most of the time he's just blah, 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 you know, to the guys out there. He's not saying anything that matters, you know, within it. And And I think that, like, it's always funny to me uh, like when we first were at Western Michigan, and I'll use them as an example, um, you know, when we were looking over and everything, everybody, all the, they were trying to like disguise and change everything all the time. And I would just chuckle because I like, they don't really understand what we're doing yet. <laughs> and, but by the second or third year, you know, we'd look over and they just stare at us and we'd look over again. They keep staring at us because they, I was like, okay, they got the hang of this. They know we're really not, there's not as much. You're talking uh, about check. the defenses now looking yeah. at you. Yeah. 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 They, they understood that like they had told their players like, Hey, look, they're not doing as much as you think they're doing. You know, they're just playing football um, with it. So it's, it's not, it, it's not anything in- that intricate, um, you know, with it, it's just the way we do it. And, uh, it works for us, and you know sometimes we might make a check, but I think everybody in the country makes a check sometimes. Sure, of you course. Know, with it, so it's it's just the tempo that we play at and how we do it, and it's again, it's you uh, the common person who sees us doing that. You know, if they actually were standing on the sidelines <laughs> and or and had a headset on, you know, they would probably laugh uh, at it and be like, "Wow." That they they need to do they need to spend fifteen hours on a Monday and fifteen hours on a Tuesday to come up with that, um, you know. So it's it's not as much as people think. What's your general philosophy on on what you want to put on the plate of the quarterback? Um, not just during the week, but let's say in that situation. So because um, I could see it from both ways that you want to take as much off his plate as you can. And, in a pre-read, like here's what we see, here's what you do, or in Tanner's case, man, that guy's been here sixty years. He knows what he's doing. Let let let's let him make some decisions too. And I know you had was it uh, was it what was the guy's name at Western that was really good? Zach is it Zach um, Zach Terrell Terrell? Yeah, um, you know when you got a guy like that as well that have been around. So how do you how do you handle the quarterback during the week and then in the game? How much do you want to take off his plate? How much do you want to put on his plate? I, that's a great question, you know, and I think that's part of you know, coaching the quarterback is finding that fine line of uh, giving him control yet, but not overburdening him with thinking too much, right? Because like the quarterback position, once the ball is snapped, it's the most reactive position there is in sports, right? He's reacting to all these uh, blurs or movements that are happening within the defense and he has to you know, do the right thing based on what the defense does, right? And that's a big part of our system, right? And that's one of the reasons that functional intelligence is a trait that I'm very high on when it comes to the recruiting process of choosing quarterbacks to play in this system, 
you know, and that's where, you know, Zach was incredible. His functional intelligence was incredible, um, you know, with that. So taking advantage of that, you know, is part of the system, you know, within it. But I think there is a fine line. And I think I'm always, um, as the quarterback coach, I'm always worrying that, hey, am I putting too much on his plate now? Or am I not putting enough on his plate? You know, and trying to find that because at the end of the day, he's got to be a confident, decisive decision maker out there. And if you're still, if you're playing quarterback and when the ball snapped, you're still thinking, you're in trouble, right? Because now it's time to react. I want the, the way we try to train the quarterbacks um, is I want him to do all his thinking pre-snap. And once he asks for the ball, it's I'm no longer thinking, I'm reacting to what the defense is going to do at that point in time. So it, it definitely is a fine line. And I think that you're constantly adjusting. I think in 2019, um, as I started the season, I probably wasn't putting enough on his plate. That was my uh, self-criticism as the year was going on. You know, I think it was during the bye week where I was like, you know, I'm not putting enough on his plate. Um, he can handle more and it'll allow him to play better of giving him more. Um, but at the same time, I'm very kind. I'd rather give him less and let get him to play fast than give him too much and have him still thinking, right? right. But that is the fine line with coaching the quarterbacks. And the the neat thing about it is as they develop, you need to be able to adjust that, you know, with it. Um, you know, and also with who they're playing against, right? You you don't want to ask him if it's going to be a real complicated defense. How do I simplify it for him? You know, if it's if it's going to be a uh, maybe a simpler defense, but they're better at playing your plays because they're simpler, right? Well, how do I make it put enough on his plate to allow us to be successful to give us the best chance to be successful? And and I, I do think there's an uh, an art to it. And I think that that's some of what separates quarterback coaches out there. Um, you know, I, I think I would much rather from a philosophical standpoint, I would much rather on Sunday when I watched the film say that it was my fault. I didn't give him enough answers right mm -hmm. out there than sit there on Sunday and sit there and say, Oh, he screwed that play up. He screwed this play up. He should have done this. He should have done that. Um, and I, I'm not saying my way is the right way, Mike. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that's what works for me and that's what I believe in, right, um, with it. So that's kind of how we try to train the quarterbacks. And But it's not perfect. And like I said, there's been many games where I was critical of myself, like, oh, I needed to give him more freedom here or uh, give put more on his plate is the way I use it, right? And I try to look at it. I remember in the 2019 season and during that bye week saying to myself like looking at his grades for the games and how he performed and his decision making and I was like he's I use the analogy with the staff like hey the quarterback's eating everything I'm putting on his plate mm -hmm. I need I need to put more on there but I can't put so much on there that he can't finish what's on his plate right and that's the art of it and I think that we grew as an offense as I gave him a little bit more and he you know, as we kept going in the season, he kept, I kept being able to add a little bit more onto it as we went and his performance took off. You're almost like a metaphorical uh, dietitian, right? With the quarterback, how much, <laughs> how much, uh, how much info you're going to feed him there and, and, and see how effective it is. couple more quick questions and then we'll let you go um, a little bit back to the play calling. Um, I'm sure there are times early in a game where you may call a play knowing the, 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 uh, you know, the, the predicted outcome might be two yards, maybe four, right? Uh, knowing, though, that, hey, that that is going to be effective because it's going to maybe set something up, or four yards is pretty good on first down. Second and six leaves you, that play sheet's got a lot of options. Um, but how much of satisfaction might you get, and it might even be over the course of a few weeks, of setting up certain plays and then hitting on those plays either later in the game or next week or what have you? Yeah, I think there's a... Uh... You know, you may uh, have a certain formation, right, that, you know, you want to run a play-action pass out of, right, um, against a certain coverage. So you're willing to get in that formation and run the ball out of it, uh, a certain run scheme that you you know that's not maybe not the best run scheme 
for that defense, but you feel like you're going to get an explosive play later mm-hmm. um, if you can get them in the right coverage, you know, for that off that run scheme that you're going to do that, right? So, like, there is some of that, you know, where uh, Brian will tell me, Callahan will say, like, I'll say, hey, I really want to run this run play out of this formation, and he'll look at me like, <laughs> I don't know if that's the best one. And I'll be like, listen, I, I've got uh, two play action passes off this run action. I'll use it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be use it in the right situation in the game where if we get two yards, I'll, I'm cool with that. Right. You know, the expectation is there within that, you know, and that's where he's great with, okay, all right. Well, well if you think it's going to be an explosive play, I'm down for that. Yeah. Um, so the, but there is some of that at times of the game. And then on the flip side of plays working, um, what's the fine line of going to the well and then, you know, when do you quit going to the well or when do they figure it out or has, you know, cause sometimes I, I watch not you, but just generally football. I'm like, man, I'd call that play every time they haven't stopped it yet. And, uh, you know, it's easy for the radio guy to say that, but, um, you know, where, where do you uh, draw the line? Like if you had one play that worked eight yards every time, you'd just, you know, you'd be undefeated basically. But, you know, where, where do you draw the line of, okay, this is probably worn out. It's welcome. We have to move on to something else. Yeah, that's funny. Um, it's true. I think there is a fine line there. I, I think Joe Flacco said it best when I was at Delaware with him one time. We came uh, out of the game and, you know, I had this first round draft pick quarterback, right? Yeah. Uh, unbelievable quarterback and super talented. And we played an opponent, a good opponent, and we ended up beating them like we scored 56 points against them. And uh, when the game was over, I was almost apologetic to him because we only threw the ball 20 times. And I was like, Joe, I'm sorry. Like, I know you're better than that. He goes, he started laughing. He goes, coach, do not worry about it at all. He goes, I know deep down, coach, you'd like to, you'd run inside zone 80 consecutive plays if you, if you could and, and win the game that way. And I started laughing. I'm like, you know, you're right. I guess I got a little Woody Hayes in me. And uh, we started laughing um, with it. So there, there, but there is a fine line there, you know, with how many times you can go to the well on a certain play and, and, you know, nobody's perfect. Right. Um, I, I try to remind myself that if a play's working, make them adjust, um, before I stop using it, you know, within it. But I, I think that anytime, you know, when a game's over as a play caller, I've never had a game yet where, after on Sunday when I went through the game that I didn't want plays back or wanted to run another play more times than that, or shoot, I ran that play one too many times. Uh, And I think that's part of your experiences, you know, with it and you you try not to be, but you're never, I think as I grown as a play caller and gotten older, I realized that like that used to really irritate me 20 years ago. Um, but now I was like, okay, well, this is learn from it. And if I'm in that, ex- in that situation again, and I see the defense starting to do that, I'll, I'll make the adjustment. But the, the guy across from me who's calling the defenses, you know, he's, he's getting paid too. Right. And his guys are on scholarship too. And so there's sometimes they're going to get you, yeah. you know, with it and one too many times. And you just, okay. You, you hope that my hope's always that something, it, I don't want something catastrophic to happen because I did it one too many times, um, which is, again, I've been fortunate enough to have really good players. And so they're usually able to cover up for me um, <laughs> when that happens. And we just move on and we just adjust and make our adjustment now. I want you to dissect uh, maybe my favorite play of, uh, of of your time with Minnesota, and you probably can predict which one it is. It's the, the Bateman touchdown, the first touchdown <laughs> against Penn State. And I think I'm remembering this right. Um, you had six offensive linemen. I'm wanting to know how much you anticipated that they would come with the corner blitz. Brooks picks it up. The safety gets a tick late, and Bateman's off to the races. Take me through the anatomy of that play and how it all had to unfold and how much was of a predictive nature that you thought the look had to be right to, to pull that play off and uh, it obviously set the tone for the entire football game. It was it, I, I love the play. Yeah, uh, that's a fun one, um, and that's a great memory. Uh, you know, first of all, the guys, the kids did a great job of executing the play, right? Um, we picked up the blitz. Uh, Bateman was in right where he was supposed to be. 
The slot receiver did exactly what he was supposed to be to help open that space up on the field. Um, you know, so that was great, the great part of it. But that was a critical play in the game, really critical, because that he ran a certain blitz, um, Brent did, that we had identified that like that that blitz that he ran on that play, like I really felt like we needed to take that blitz away from him. And because he really, when you got his defense reeling a little bit, that was his go-to, right? That was going to create a negative play or stop you um, within it. So uh, we, we, I knew that was going to be a critical play. And so we had worked on that play. And the funny thing was like during the week when we put the play in, we had said, this is going to be a, I was like, this is a touchdown. You got to, and if I had a nickel for every time I said that, that it wasn't a touchdown, I'd be retired, <laughs> right? But this is going to be a touchdown. We got to execute. And so uh, we were waiting um, for that particular blitz look that it was coming. And we felt like we had identified something in them that we knew that we had a pretty good idea that it was going to come um, within it. So we were in that first drive and we had made a couple of two or three first downs and so we called a different play, but we put ourselves in a formation that was going to be conducive to that check if he was bringing that blitz. And so when Tanner, that we actually checked that. So when Tanner looked to the sideline, and again, this is part of being on the same page, he knew it was coming too. And so when he looked over, he was like, come on, coach. It was like <laughs> one of those deals. And so we checked it and, uh, you know, the rest is history, but you know, the, it was a little closer than we thought. Their safety is a really good player, and he almost got there. And game of inches, right? Mm -hmm. um, it could have easily been knocked down or intercepted another inch um, that that safety was over there. But instead, it was, uh, I believe it was 60-yard touchdown. Yeah, 60-plus. Um, I forget the exact number, but yeah. Somewhere in there. It's crazy. Um, and, it, but it, 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 and again, right, we didn't, he didn't use that blitz again the rest of the day. Um you know, with it. So it all worked out. And uh, that was a, a great moment. Was that a play you could check out of at any point? Or was the specific plan in that case that you would need the six offensive linemen? Was that part of inviting that blitz? It didn't have to be the six offensive linemen. Um, you know, that just happened to be, we had that play out of a number of different formations, but they were formations that we're going to invite that, that we felt like the tendency was a little higher mm -hmm. to get that blitz out of that particular formation. So it really, uh, the six offensive linemen were just in there. We had an another play called that we wanted to run with the six offensive linemen, but we knew that it was a possibility to check that play out of that formation. It's amazing. I loved it. It was great, fun times. Um, Two more, I promise. I know I've, I've kept you way longer. You're, I'm, I'm probably cutting into your spring game uh, game plan here, preparation time. So uh, <laughs> my apologies to all the fans who uh, come out and watch on uh, April 30th. Uh, how much do you and PJ talk during a game? Uh, well, what's the communication like then? Uh, I wouldn't say we talk a ton, but enough. Like, he's great at reminding me of little things, you know, uh, think players, not plays, Kirk. Um, you know, uh, he just he just knows what to say, when to say it really is the most part with it. Um, he might tell me, hey, uh, we need to get a first down here or something like that. Or he may say, Kirk, I really like to see it next series. Let's try to run the ball for a first down on like three plays or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, those type of things, like they're more game management type of things that he wants me to think about within the play call. Like that maybe wouldn't normally be like as an offensive coordinator, like you're really just thinking about how do we score? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Whereas, and that's where that trust is built up, you know, between me and him is like, he'll, uh, they're more that type of thing, game, game management type of things, or, uh, Hey, uh, try to get in 2019. It might've been hey Kirk. It's in, we're in the second quarter. And he'd be like, Hey Kirk, you know, uh, Tyler hasn't touched the ball yet. Think about Tyler, right? Yeah. You know, and so that all that gets me thinking. I'm not thinking about how many, believe it or not, like I don't keep track of who I'm just worried about scoring. I'm not worried about who's getting what touches or whatnot. 
right? But I said in the very beginning that it's a player's game, right? So sometimes we lose track of that. We might get caught too much in the schematics, whereas we should really be thinking about the players. Um, so it's usually game management type of stuff. It's not uh, uh, what I love about him is he might tell me on second down, hey, you got four, Kirk, you got four downs here. Like that's helpful to me. Sure. He tells me that on second down rather than after third down, we don't make the first down. And then he just says to me, hey, we're going to go for it. <laughs> you know, like, whoa, that could have affected the other two calls Sure, you know, that we were making. Plus, like, okay, you just gave me that information. I got three seconds to make a decision here. <laughs> you know, like, that's not great. So he's great at, you know, giving me those type of heads up, you know, within it. Um, but, other, you know, that's really where his, you know, area comes in. Yeah, when it comes down to it, too, let's say it's a fourth and one, um, and punt or go or field goal or what have you, um, is that a conversation? Is that do you do you make that like, hey, coach, let's let's I got a play here, or does do you discuss it, or does he come sometimes, or does it vary? I guess by the situation how that unfolds. It probably varies a little bit, but most of the time, honestly, like most of the time, he's told me ahead of time what the deal hey, is. You're gonna go. We're gonna go on fourth down, you know, based on the field situation, or it might be like, say we're in our own territory and we get a fourth and real short, he may click over and he may say, uh, what do you think? Do we have a, and I know what he means. Like, do I feel really confident and that I know how they're going to line up and that we're going to get this quarter yard or whatever. Right. And again, this is where we're, there's been times where I've said, Hey, let's go. I can remember back at Western Michigan. I think we were on our own 19 yard line one time and we were fourth in about a half a yard and he clicked over and he said, what do you think? And I was like, coach, we'll get it. <laughs> you know? And he's like, let's go then. And I can remember times where he's clicked over and said, what do you think? And I was like, punt, <laughs> you know, um, I don't feel great. Or I usually wouldn't say punt. I usually would say, I don't feel great about it, but we can go. If you want, I got a call, Yeah, you know, and then it's, it's his decision. Right. And that's what he, you know, that's where he does a great job at managing the game. Right. And again, that trust, right. You know, if he tells me it's time to go on fourth down, I'm going to give, I got my best call for that fourth down situation already ready to go for it. And I'm going to go, you know, and he, but I'm not thinking about the game situation, whether or not we should or shouldn't, I don't waste any energy. And trying to think about that, I'm just thinking about the next play call and how do we get our guys in the best possible situations. And that if someone said to me, like, why do you guys work so well together? Well, all these things I've said about him are all part of the reasons that it works so well yeah. between me and him. That's awesome. It's, it's really cool. Um, how's the spring going? What do you think of uh, your football team right now? Uh, I really love the uh, energy, you know, and the way they're improving each day, you know, with it, but we're still a work in progress. Um, I think we have a chance to be a, a good football team. I really do. Um, I like our talent and I like the way we're working. We just, we have a long way to go. Right. And we just got to keep remembering that every day we got to change our best, you know, and be better today than we were yesterday. Cause that's really what we control. And I know people are like, Oh, well, here comes the cliche. Right. You know, but like, that's really how we roll here in this culture, in this program. And, you know, that's what gives us the peace of mind. If we're doing that, the results, again, I know this, I'm going to be judged on the results on Saturday in the fall, right? But if, if we're changing our best every day, then I know that we're doing everything we can to get the right result, the result that we all want on Saturdays and that's really what we control and that's kind of how we coach here and that's PJ right you know that's what he's all about and you know that's what our kids are all about and that's how we coach you know let's we gotta we gotta make sure we maximize we have practice tonight today right we have to make sure we maximize our time in the meeting rooms and that we make sure that we maximize our ability to improve on the practice field and if we do that then we have enough talent that we can be a very good football team. Great to have you back. Oh, it's great to be back, Mike. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much.
Thank you. You have a great day. There he is, the Golden Gopher offensive coordinator, Kirk Sharaka. It's indeed great news to have him back on campus. I hope you enjoyed listening to that interview with Kirk as much as I enjoyed talking with him. So much great info to soak in and learn about Minnesota football. And remember, the annual spring game is Saturday, April 30th at Huntington Bank Stadium at 1 o'clock. The Go Gopher podcast is presented by Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're buying or selling a business, visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com today. We're also brought to you by State Farm agent Tony Hoagland. Brandon Morton is our producer and technical expert. Again, I'd invite you to listen to past podcasts, and please be sure to click the subscribe button on the Go Gopher podcast right now. It's absolutely free to listen. We'll talk again next week.